Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. That means you are listening to Mystery of Parenthood. We're excited that you're here and just ask that you would slow down and uh, let's learn something. But let's, before we do that, let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Amen, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome aboard. Uh, Thaddeus is over there. How are you? How you you? doing, Trey? Good to see you. Good to see you. Doing great. Um, It's at least starting to think it's going to be cooling down, you know, October. That's good. So, um, but anyway, this is going to be the step next one. We were, if you remember... We, we had started a, a show that was FIRE about setting your families ablaze, and we were using the acronym FIRE. And we we did the first one on faith, um, then the I in FIRE, so F, faith, I, integration, R, relationships, and E, evangelization. And then we did, Stephanie and I did one on that. And then today we're going to do integration, and... Um, Hopefully that'll be that'll be the next step. So if you're going to set your families ablaze, faith is the first one. Second one is integration, and you know we're going to start. I was actually just in a meeting with with uh, with Thaddeus uh, for those listening, and and some Vatican II documents came up, and some things Indeed. that that uh, John Paul II had come up, and and I don't think I was. I, I just pulled out my notes from <laughs> from this and realized. You're going to get to hear all these right now, so <laughs> perfect. <laughs> whether you like it or not. Um, but I, I wanted to begin with this one because I think this is the, this is at the heart of integration, and it's like we said, it's kind of at the heart of where we find ourselves today. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this idea of of integration because I think it's something that is on a lot of people's minds of how do I take these um, these teachings of the church, these right. doctrines and dogmas, and how do I actually live them out in my everyday life? How do I integrate them into um, the way my family operates? Right? Yeah. And so, and so this will be a little bit, and we'll hopefully we'll get into some, some examples, some good examples of that, because I, I hope that the show is actually that, because we've always said, you know, 
Stephanie, I've always, I'm not, I'm the theologian, big picture out there, and she's always the one that tries to bring it down to to that. And I think that the reality is that's that's the essence of what Christianity is, mm-hmm. um, because Christ is God and man. I mean, he <laughs> he is got the whole big picture because he is God, but then he walked in time and through circumstances that all of us have faced, or well, not the same, but through human experiences right. in a human life. And so that God, that unseen being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity came and walked on this planet. And so we, it's meant to come and have an impact on what we do day to day because he came down to show us that. Exactly. And so, and so I'm going to start with the John Paul II um, quote. This is from Christy Fidelis Leitchi, which is on the Christian lay faithful or to them. And this is one of my favorites and you'll hear this, but this has to do with what the issue with uh, integration is quoting John Paul II. There cannot be two parallel lives in the Christian's existence. On the one hand, the so-called spiritual life with its values and demands. And on the other, the so-called secular life, that is life in a family at work in social relationships in the responsibilities of public life and in culture. Therefore, I have maintained that a faith that does not affect a person's culture is a faith that is not fully embraced, not entirely thought out, and not faithfully lived. Now, (laughs) this is, I mean, when I was thinking about this, everybody thinks about all these things that are going on, you know, the redefinition of marriage, you know, the so-called redefinition of marriage, the all the issues that were happening that I never thought as a 54 year old I'd ever see. In fact, if somebody 20 years ago had said some of the stuff we're legislating or passing laws about, I would have laughed, but here it is. And so we sometimes want to get mad at the politicians or upset with who the Supreme court justices are doing or blame somebody. What I hear Pope John Paul II saying is that honestly, we're, (laughs) The problem mm. because a faith, it's a, you hear this. I mean, a faith that does not affect a person's culture. So, a faith, a set of beliefs, a trust in a God that does not affect a person's culture is a faith that's not fully embraced, not entirely thought out, and not faithfully lived. That's a challenge to you, me. That's an indictment. <laughs> it is. But the hopeful thing, if you know Pope John Paul II, is while he does point point the finger at us, he's also saying, hey, we're the solution as well. We're meant to be the people who, by having thought through what we believe and why we believe it, embracing it fully, and then trying to figure out how to faithfully live it, that we can actually impact our culture. And if you think about it, I mean, it really is... It really is about the first culture we got to impact is our family. Yeah, that's I mean, true. That, I mean, our, I mean, and that's the way. So I think lots of times you can get overwhelmed. You hear that, and you and you think of the culture. How the world am I going to impact my culture? Well, I think the way you do it is focus on what God puts in front of you. I mean, uh, I've been recently doing reading a lot on, from Saint Jose Maria Escriva, mm-hmm. and he's really, you know, brass tacks, you know, 
where the rubber meets the road <laughs> kind of person. I mean, it's like, okay, what's in front of you right now? That's what you're called to if it's part of your vocation, if it's that. And it can be as simple as doing dishes or whatever. Well, if you're going to take a big picture look at it, if we're going to impact our culture, then the first culture that we have to impact is our own family's culture. We have to build, we have to do that. So we've got to fix ourselves, right? I mean, we can't, we can't fix the Supreme Court. We can't fix politicians. We probably can't fi fix the person next to us. We can't fix, we can't fix our spouse. You know, we can't fix our children. We can only fix ourselves. We can't fix that family or this other family, but we can fix our family with the help of God's grace. It's not simply us. So this is about, do we accept the challenge? And, and I'm going to go a step further. He's this quote that I just raised is kind of springboarding out, springboarding off of the second Vatican, Vatican council who kind of stepped into this issue back then, got him at Spez, probably written in the mid sixties. Um, and they said that, that the, one of the gravest errors of our time, I'm quoting them, one of the gravest errors of our time is the dichotomy between the faith, which many profess and the practice of they, of their daily lives. Um, so both them and John Paul point to the problem, which is not pointing outward, but is, but is actually saying we're the problem because we should be doing it and it's correction. So the Christians daring Christians who are willing to dare to live integrated lives where there is no separation between the gospel and life are the people who are going to impact the culture. Mm. They are the ones that are going to do it. So set your family ablaze. Like we said, we, we talked about that, you know, Catherine of Siena in talking about individuals said, you know, you're unique and unrepeatable. And if you become who God wants you to be, you'll set the world on fire because you're an answer to a problem. You're a word that he wants to speak. As a friend of mine said, you're, you, you are a unique word that he wants to speak to this world. If you allow him to speak and you allow him to speak by becoming who you are. So family become who you are. And so what does that mean? And again, this is one more, which I think another quote that, that, that I think radically points us to, how radically we're meant to live. Again, this is John Paul II, and he says the responsibility, the responsibility of the lay faithful in particular is to testify to how the Christian faith constitutes the only fully valid response. <laughs> okay, listen to this. The responsibility of the lay faithful in particular is to testify to how the Christian faith constitutes the only fully valid response to the problems and hopes that life poses to every person and society. That ought to like <laughs> that ought to hit you right between the eyes. Because this isn't some sort of, hey, let's all just be happy together. This is not a coexist. You know, everybody bumper just sticker. believe what bump, bumper sticker. Now, John Paul II, who always talked about dialogue, says, look, a lot, of, a lot of people who believe other things different from us actually c should convict us because they're more holding to what they believe 
and having a more impact their lives than any of us are. So that can that should convict us. So we should look at that and say it. But he's also saying that does not mean while we can respect them and say, hey, that's awesome. We should be challenged by that because we have the only fully valid response to every problem, every hope, every dream, every trial that any culture has. What? (laughs) And so this is what he says. This will, and again, this is all building on the same thing. This is back to John Paul II. This will be possible if the lay faithful will know how to overcome in themselves the separation of the gospel from life. Mm to again take up in their daily activities and family and work and in society an integrated approach to life that is fully brought about by the inspiration and strength of the gospel. So this integrated approach to be integrated means that you have to do a couple things. One, overcoming yourselves that separation between gospel and life, and then know that the inspiration and strength of the gospel is what is the only thing that can bring it about. I think that's really interesting there. I hear echoes of Evangelium Vitae there, of his idea of the gospel of life. Absolutely. Right in there. That's that's very interesting to me. Yeah, so, I mean, th- this is, but there's a point here that is really important because you can actually, in lots of his things, you can hear the inspiration and strength of the gospel points us in a veiled response to what, what a, what a sacrament is and who Jesus is. So Jesus in, in John... One, we hear that says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So what I, I like to think, and when he says, when he takes these things brought about by the inspiration of the gospel and by the strength of the gospel, well, what is that? The inspiration of the gospel is the truth of the gospel. Who is the person? Jesus Christ. The truth of that. So like a sacrament is delivering truth and it's delivering grace the strength of the gospel, which we think we forget that we as Christians believe, particularly as Catholics, believe that grace elevates our nature. It actually allows us to, to overcome things that we could not overcome by ourselves, to be something that's separate from that grace we, we could not be, that we would be defeated by sin for that. So the gospel, part of the gospel is we can be brave. We can be strong. We can not be timid. We can have self-control. We can love in the face of whatever comes our way. Yeah. And I was actually uh, just speaking to my, my little family about something related to this recently that I wanted to remind them that when we pray because of baptism and because of the Eucharist that we receive, mm-hmm. the sacraments, that when we pray, we're actually, the Holy Spirit is praying in us and right. through us. We're, it's not just uh, us crying out to this divine that is so far removed from us and uh, inaccessible. No, actually the divine life lives and breathes in us and is helping us to you know, ask for the the proper intentions to um, make the right uh, decisions in our prayers to Absolutely. to have the the wisdom and and the um, the insight when when we're praying to 
to make our prayers to God. So, yeah. So, so you're 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 speaking St. Paul right here, right? Yeah. I'm just going to read it here because it's a, it's it's Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. We. We need to ask for help to pray. In fact, the beginning of every prayer for every person should be, teach me to pray. Well, we just had that. That was just a reading not too long ago where you go to Jesus and say, teach me to pray. Well, that honestly is, prayer itself is a gift to us. That's right. The Holy Spirit himself is a gift to us that we have to ask, and he's real, and he's wants to help us. And so as St. Paul says, echoing your your words, or maybe you're echoing his, I don't know who came first, but I'm pretty yeah. sure St. Paul did. <laughs> but but that we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. But of course, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but of course God is is never going to, you know, overwhelm our, our free will. Absolutely. So that's why we have to recall that to mind we have to you know kind of activate that in our will and our intellect that that that's what's going on and we have to access the holy spirit and within us trust. and then so that's what, that is what living so let that's what living that's what that's living an integrated life that god is not using us like puppets and and our surrender to him right. is not is not simply okay now you do it but it's somehow our cooperation with his grace as he moves in us and challenges us and helps us. So the so there's two things. The recognition that you have to ask to pray for an integrated life, ask to pray. But the minute you ask it, there there are prayers that you know God wants to answer. Uh, you know the not not that he wants it. He's going to answer all prayers. You, you there are prayers you can pray that you know his answer is yes. Always yes. It's never going to be no. Right. If you ask him to help you to pray and then put yourself in a position to pray in a quiet place or in a moment when you can, whatever it is, then he will, you have to trust that he will do that through you. And so anyway, I thought that's a great point. And I, and I, you have to be a little bit to, to hear what John Paul II is saying it requires a radical response to what Jesus is saying, not some sort of how do we figure out how to make this all acquiesce into what we want. Yeah. Um, the, he is saying what all too many won't say is that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Not He isn't, he isn't a way. <laughs> He's not a truth. He is the truth. He's not a life. He is the life. And truth be known that that's when, when we hear people say, you know, it's, it, it's participant in, in Christ's life himself. It's our being united with him. There is only one life. <laughs> and, and it's our integration into his life that allows us to be integrated as a person so that, and, and as a family, by him being allowed in there, I think part of the prayer is got to, I got to give you permission. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the great prayer is just, I give you permission. I mean, to do what you want, you know, now how does that occur? 
I mean, I've found often than not, more often than not, this is practically speaking, that sometimes you pray that prayer and that baby's going to need a diaper change <laughs> or, you know, somebody's going to get sick or whatever. And then instead of seeing that as something about, well, oh, you know, they're getting in my way. God was about to talk to me, you know, but God was about to reveal himself to me. And then you have to have your diaper changed or you have to get a knee taped up or whatever, or you have so you're hungry. That's exactly where God speaks to you. That's, that is the gospel. And I've always, I mean, we said this before and I've, and I had a teacher say it. Well, I, John Paul II says there is not a moment in Christ's life from conception to where he is currently at the right hand of the father. There's not a, from the incarnation of him as a human being, there's not a millisecond of that life that is not revealing man to himself, revealing God to us, right. but revealing man to himself. That is radical. Because I think lots of times we think of Jesus as like Hercules or demigod or, you know, half God, half man or something like that. He is not. You're listening to the mystery of parenthood. Okay. He is a hundred percent God and a hundred percent like you and me, Thaddeus, with the exception of only one thing, sin. Mm-hmm. That's it. So he reveals man without sin to us. Well, what did he come to do? Forgive our sins. Get rid of our sins. Make them white as snow. Well, then we should look to him not as something way out there far away as as something that's unattainable oh yeah he's god which he is but he's also revealing what we're capable of when we are inspired by the gospel when we are empowered by the gospel when we recognize that truth is him (laughs) and that grace comes to us through him and that that grace allows us to overcome sin and to lift us up. If we're going to live an integrated life, that's the essence of what the good news is. God did not leave us. And not only did he not leave us in our sin, he came down and entered into us. Entered into our life, into the, into the world that we know. Walk those places. I've talked to some friends that have recently come back from the Holy Land. And I someday, I hope, Lord, that I can this is my prayer, but I, that I can go because he said it was so striking to say he actually, wa- I mean, he walked on this road. Yeah. That's, I mean, he worked in this town. You know, he was nailed to a cross here. <laughs> I mean, this is not like a, I mean, we've got to remember that the incarnation is the defining thing in terms of how we know that God's Trinity, how we know what we're called to. And for us to understand that and try to live that out, we would want to share that with anybody out there because every other human being, he wants that for them too. So we have to live a a life like that. So anyway, the, the, Bottom line, I digress. I don't think I digress if I talk about Jesus. I'm not digressing. It's when I talk about catechism or something. <laughs> but we have to remember that we're the answer when we testify with our lives 
with the way we live and talk that our faith is the only fully valid response to our current situation. That's radical. And the question is, do we believe it? And then how do we start it? And John Paul II, if you'll take these verbs, he says what what the answer is. Because he says, not fully embraced, not entirely thought out, and not faithfully lived. So so what's the answer for, for us? We have to embrace. <laughs> we have to think through. And we have to live fully what the truth is. So... That's what the rest is. Those, those, those three things. Embrace, think, and live. We have to do. So embrace is the first thing that we have to do. To live this radical, fully integrated, integrated life, we must embrace the entirety of the fullness of the gospel. So we must invest time to discover the fullness of the truth found in Jesus Christ. I heard, I heard a thing. It was actually St. Jose Maria's podcast on that that, that was – the link between study and prayer and St. Jose Maria Escriva that founded Opus Dei said an hour of study is an hour of prayer. Mm. This is what he's getting at here. You, you, if you don't understand it, it becomes sentiment. It, it can be just a sentimental feeling. And if I don't feel that, then I won't do it. It's kind of like, you know, I have a vision of maybe how, how I'd look if I exercised enough, you know, <laughs> But but I but I don't but 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 that's not enough to get me through the difficulties that that means. But if I'm fully committed, if I'm fully embracing that, then I'll I'll do the work even if I don't feel like it. I'll do the work. I won't wait till I feel like it because guess what? My body doesn't. My I'd much rather sit here on the couch eating some chips mm-hmm. and watching a baseball game. But. To embrace it is to say, if that's true, if, if every problem and hope and dream is fulfilled in a person, to embrace that means I need to learn about that person and understand what does it mean that he is the truth, that he is the life. I used to always tell my kids this, and it's hard. If you have a question that you don't know the answer to with regard to how to respond to something, he is always the answer. Now, that's easy to say. It's hard to, it's hard to uncover, but you can be assured that the right answer lies in who he is. So we have to, if we're going to change this culture, decide that we are going to invest time embracing this. So what does that mean? We're going to pray. We're going to begin each day, and we've talked about this before. We're going to begin each day with a daily offering. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is a daily? You know, Lord, I give you this day all that I think, all that I do, all that I say, and unite it with what you do, or with the holy, with the holy sacrifice of the mass. Or sometimes I'll say, with you know, what was accomplished on the cross so many years ago, but is made present again today in every mass. I unite my sufferings, my joys, my sorrows, my successes, my failures, my gifts, my talents, my entire self with you and give it to you in reparation for my sins and the sins of the whole world, for the conversion of sinners, particularly my own conversion, for the unity of Christians. Have something like that on your tongue because that means that you can make the whole day, everything that happens, a prayer. So that... We started every morning in high school with 
I dedicate all my thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. That's a, a, there, a saying of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter what it is, but the idea has got to be, I've got to take what I do and at the beginning of the day say, so wake up as an individual. When you get out of bed, you can say a quick glance, hey, thanks for getting me through tonight. You know, I'm ready for day. I give it to you. But then as a family... It doesn't take anything. Driving a child to school, it takes, well, I mean, yours, I mean, 10 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that easy to say, I'm giving you everything, everything that I think, everything I do, everything I say, and start with that. But you have to, you know, kind of going back to a little bit earlier in the conversation, you, you do have to activate your intellect and your will when you make that prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to, to help you make that prayer that, okay, what does it mean for me to take all my thoughts, for example, and dedicate them to the greater glory of God? Well, it yeah. means I'm going to have, I'm going to have certain kinds of, I'm going to allow certain kinds of thoughts and I'm not going to allow other kinds of thoughts. With the, yeah. With the help of your grace. Again, it's the strength. It's the inspiration. Mean, okay. The truth is I shouldn't think that, or I shouldn't do that. But we have to trust. Sometimes we, we think that we can will something ourselves. The reality is living a, a, a radically Christian life calls us to do things that we cannot will without the help of his grace. So it's, it's simultaneous to making that offering and thinking that through. We have to say, I know that you want me to or not to and call upon the grace. So if we've talked about it before. As a married couple, if you're married and living out that sacrament, Jim Beckman was on here saying it's always struck me. He says you call upon the grace of your sacrament of matrimony to how do you deal with this child? How do you deal with your spouse? How do you deal with this situation as a couple? How does your, you know, all those different things to always remember it's not a, we're going to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. No, we have to cooperate. We have to say that's not good. I need to avoid that. But we have to recognize it's separate from him to embrace it fully. It's not like, Oh God, I got this. I'll call on you when I really need some help. <laughs> it's more like I'm giving you everything because I really need your help with everything. Right. But he's not going to say I'm doing it for you in, in the, in the strictest sense, you're going to cooperate with him as you go. You're going to be listening. So offering at the beginning, like you said, very important. And you have to, again, engage. It's not just rote words. Just because they're rote words, just because you memorize them does not mean that they're rote. Mm -hmm. Just because you pray the Our Father, they can be meaningless if, if you just say them. Yeah, if you just, just recite them. You're just reciting them. But they can be the greatest prayer ever if the Our Father is said, knowing what I'm saying, to whom I'm saying it, and what it means that I am that I am offering that prayer to him. So the fullness of living out the life is sometimes you're going to rely on the truth. Okay. Jesus said, they said, teach me to pray. And he said, pray like this. <laughs> well, you're going to want to pray like that. I mean, at least some of the time, mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to want to do that, but that's not just, you know, it's not just fingering a, a rosary. You want to finger the rosary, but just like the rosary, you can get in the habit of just doing it just to do it. That's not prayer is the engagement of, the entirety of you as a person. <laughs> and that means all of you, the good, the bad, 
the things that make, you know, the intellect that makes my mind think, but then the will trusting that, okay, I can get over this hump with the help of God's grace, not by me strictly just, oh, I'm going to do it. That's the difference between (laughs) what some self-help books might say. You just got to get over it. We have to say, okay, yeah, we do got to get over it and we do have to will it, but we need to trust that God's going to give us the grace to do it. So, and that first thing, embrace so you, you do that, you pray the, the prayer at the beginning of the day, an offering. I think this is important, too. I, I've, I've said this prayer for a long time, and I don't know where I got it, but, 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 I, but I, I, will, I will say this, and my kids have heard it a lot. I said, you know, Lord, ask, I ask for the grace to see you in the circumstances which I face today and in the, pers- in the people that I meet today. And I ask for the grace to be you in those circumstances and with those people. That's the mystery of a Christian mm. is we've got a, the mystery of a Christian is there's Christ <laughs> at the same time as I'm called to be Christ. Right. There he is. Here I am. I mean, and, and so we've got to recognize that and you have to call on the eyes of faith. That's a prayer too, to recognize the great saints. If you listen to them, they all see in the poor, in that other person, Christ. Not because they are like fabricating it, because they're seeing them as they are in the eyes of God. That, that, that's, that's the challenge. It's not like they're somehow inventing this. They're just all of a sudden been given the eyes of faith to recognize it. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter how boring you think your life is how mundane you think it is. If you can catch a glimpse of what God is saying by asking you to have the eyes of faith to recognize him in somebody else, you could never be bored because that person in the grocery line, that child that's whining in front of you, that spouse that may be angry at you (laughs) or that time that you're spending together, there he is. If he's there, <laughs> then God is with you. And so that's the radicalness that calls for that life. Read the Bible daily is another thing. Right. I, I've started, I mean, I'm, I'm, I keep echoing St. Jose Maria Escriva, who has just kind of popped up a bunch, but he always, it, one of his quotes, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher it, but. You're going to paraphrase it. I'm going to paraphrase it. One of his quotes, which I think he says, May every person that you meet say that person, by their meeting you, that person knows the life of Christ. Mm. That, That's a high bar. It's a high bar. And, and he's, a chal- he's a person that will challenge you. But the only way that's going to happen is to actually read them and pray them. I mean, to take time to read them. And how do you do that? Put yourself in the situation. All the great saints that I know, they, 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 they had the ability to ask for God to help them put themselves in the situation, whatever the situation is. And that that is, there is something about that life that is meant to be translated into your own life. Because the reality is, here's the full mystery of our faith. We are, if we say yes and cooperate with his grace, we will be transformed into his image. We'll be conformed into his image. God will make us into him. We will become, in a sense, another Christ. We'll we'll become 
a Christian, <laughs> a little Jesus. That's what Christian means. I'm a little Christ. It was, it was I think it was a, uh, actually a term of not, not, not a, a loving term. I think it was people that were calling them Christians were, you know, little Christs. Um, but we're called to be like that. So we have to read the Bible and, and study and pray those things as we do it. And then finally, you know, if, if you can read the catechism, another thing I, I, that I recommend is, you know, theology for beginners by, by Frank Sheed is, is pretty short. Um, things like that. Find something that you, that attracts you. Listen, here's my, my gauge on anything that I read fight through it initially, but see whether it's feeding you. And what I've noticed is, is that, you know, if God has something, I've found books, I've started to read and said, and I put it up and then I, it, cause I, oh, that's not touching me and I'll pick up another book. But I go back to that book at some point in the future. And all of a sudden it's like, I can't put it down because there's something that has to be said. So the Holy Spirit's doing it. So on embracing, pray, pray again, you know, that for the eyes of faith to do it, read the Bible and study the faith. Read the catechism, you know, pick prayer. If you want want prayer, it's the fourth section of the catechism, pick it up and, and, and study that. So anyway, so that's embrace. The second, the second thing is to think, because remember he said, it's a, it's a faith that is not fully thought out. And I think you, Thaddeus kind of pointed to this when you were saying you can't just earlier, you, you can't just say the word, you have to engage in, in that. And that's so you engage your minds and think about why the faith matters. So, so many people say you want to water it down to where we can all agree on what the doctrine is. You know, God wants to reveal the fullness of the truth. And the fullness of that truth is Jesus, but Jesus has a bride in the church. And that, and that church is here to make sure that we don't get into heresies. Because if we're meant to be in the image of Jesus, if we're meant to be little Christ, then we have got to know what does it mean that God's a Trinity? What is it, why does it matter that there are one, one God but three persons? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, that's too hard to understand. Why does it even matter? Let's just get to Jesus. Well, the church says Jesus came, the first thing he came to reveal, the most important thing in the hierarchy of truth that he came to reveal about God is that there is this Trinity, that the God is a, is father, that the son, the second person of the Trinity has come. And that when he, when Jesus dies, rises from the dead and ascends into heaven, that he sends the third person, of the Trinity, that's critical to understanding. So why is that important? What a difference does it make when, you know, I'm making breakfast or what difference does it make when I'm making a bed? Or what difference does it make when I'm changing a diaper or a light bulb or mowing a yard? Think about why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Well, first off, I mean, so just very simply, as John Paul II would point out, as the church would point out, the fact that God is a, communi- a communion of persons. He's not just one sitting up there by himself. That he's a communion of persons should point us to the fact that we're meant to live in community with other people. And the... Yeah. First place that that happens, if it happens the way it's supposed to, is in the domestic church, in the family. We're meant to live in a community of persons. Why? Because if we're going to be in the image of God, 
as he says he's going to do on the very first page of the Bible. Let us make man in our image, male and female. He made them. If that's, if that's fact, then, then that means we're meant to be in communion with other people. We're not meant to be on an island. So that means that we have, we're meant to deal with others, with their struggles, with their trials, with the times they get in our way, when the times that they're the ones that help us get over a problem that we have. So all those struggles and crosses that we bear and joys that we have in communion with one another are to reveal to us something of what it means to be like God. <laughs> that's big, that's big time news. I mean, so he came to let us know that what we're capable of, again, he, he reveals himself, he reveal in himself, he reveals man to himself. So when we look to Jesus, I've already mentioned this, but when we look to Jesus, we don't look to him as something that's unattainable. We look to him as the standard by which we gauge. Not saying, like I said once when a friend pointed out, you know, well, at least I'm a better dad than that guy. You know, I'm not supposed to compare myself to anybody else except to the standard. Yeah. And, and what does that standard, there's two things and it's, it's the greatness, you know, we're called to recognize that we fall short of the glory of God simultaneous to the, do we recognize that if we trust in him and we ask for forgiveness and we rely on his mercy and his grace and we ask for him to change us, that we can work towards being like him, not of our own volition, impossible. When I say work, but, but Paul himself says, work out your salvation, right? Well, part of working that out is cooperating with grace, yep. being, being aware of the fact that I'm falling short of the glory of God, but knowing that I am called to the glory of God. Because what is St. Irenaeus said, what's the glory of God? Uh, the glory of God is man fully alive. Man fully alive. So God glorifies himself by a man who is fully alive. Well, what does fully alive to me mean? It means that every part of me knows that what I'm doing in this moment is what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment and that God is directing it. That's the way a Christian is supposed to look at life, that I'm cooperating, but I'm not separate from God, that God is holding me in being and he's got a plan for my life and I'm going to move forward through the struggles that most of us in the, in the mystery of parenthood the struggle is the child who's not obeying. The struggle is the sick one who needs to get to the doctor while the other kids need to be fed or bathed. I mean, that's where that struggle occurs. But know that that's exactly where you're meant to be. That's what is when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me for a mom or a dad with sick kids or a sick husband. What is your cross? Take it up. Rely on the grace of the sacrament. Jesus working in you for you to serve the sick person, serve the wife, to lay down your life for them. Yeah. That's where it happens. Yeah. You don't have to go somewhere else. It happens right at your house. So think about why does it matter what happens? Here's the deal. To be integrated, you have to live the life. 
This is number three. Right? You have to live the life. What does that mean? Faith has to be translated into concrete actions. Right? Faith is not just like, you know, I, my kids are learning calculus. Right? And you're sitting there saying, well, what am I ever going to use this for? And I'm sure there are people out there that know the answer to that. But they're not here, or at least not here as I speak. But there are people that know that what, what, what I learned has, needs for it to be beneficial means it has to actually turn into something concrete that we can see that's punchable, right? Most people, I mean, I've been told this, maybe some of you out there say, you know, don't tell me you love me. Show me. Well, how do you show somebody you love them? Well, first off, what is love? Love is sacrifice. Love is laying down your life, not what I want for the sake of the other. So what, what does that happen in your house, Thaddeus? I, what, I mean, it, it, there's so many places that it could happen. You know, if your wife doesn't like cleaning dishes, uh, you know, then clean the dishes. Don't say, hey, yeah, look, hey, look what I did, you know, or you know, what are you going to do for me? That's not the, <laughs> I mean, it's somebody's got to do it. Let me do it. Let nobody recognize it. Offer, that's part of the that daily offering. Now that's actually coming into play in the moment. It's a simple, concrete action, which nobody may ever even notice. They may never say anything. But if you're doing it for love of God, for his glory, you are fully alive in that moment. Because you're saying, I'm doing this because I love, I don't want them to have to do it. I'm doing it. It's a sacrifice. There's something else I could be doing. I don't particularly like it but I'm going to do it because somebody's got to. Why don't I do it? And I'm now saying, okay, I know I'm not getting nailed to a cross. I'm not being going through that. But, Lord, I'm going to offer you this little bitty thing, cleaning these dishes to do that. That's where concrete actions. We don't have to make this into something more than it is. Look for those moments in your daily life. Right? Look for those moments just, that just come up, particularly those things that come out that aren't expected. You know, a kid all of a sudden gets sick or, or you know, oh, I forgot that I needed milk. I know you just got home. Could you go out and get some milk? <sighs> you know, that's probably not a good offering. But if you said, oh, yeah, sure, I'm happy to go do that. Not, well, why can't you go get it? <laughs> Now, would you would you say that a good starting place is to um, maybe if you're not in the habit of offering yourself that way, to maybe at least start by lifting a finger, start by actually doing something for somebody else in, in the family, even if your maybe your internal motivation is still I'm kind of hoping that I get recognized or I'm kind of hoping that I can say something about it, but at least. It's like take the action to to do for others. It's like most it's like most things that the church reveals, and this is one thing I I we are bodily beings, and so the church you know talks about you know we as Catholics you know stuff the you know Catholic gymnastics at a mass you know you mm-hmm. <laughs> kneel stand up whatever well all those things are meant to communicate something so they can either be the result I mean it's it's meant to tell you something. So you're kneeling. Why? Because you're in the presence of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Right. You're standing instead of sitting because it's his words that are being spoken. Right. You're sitting when it's St. Paul's words. Right. You're standing when it's his. Right. 
Those are all meant to communicate something. And what the church will say is, even if you don't have that connection, because you are a human, you'll say, well, at some point you may, why am I standing up? You know, why am I sitting down? And when the integrated whole becomes, okay, this is why I'm kneeling now. Well, that may have started with, I've always done this. My parents said, stand up, kneel, do whatever. And they may have taught me that, but they didn't know it. Well, we as, what is it? How do you uh, become a saint? I mean, you decide to become one and then you start acting like one. Just one step at a time. Right. And so what you're saying is absolutely true. It's like, well, why do I go pray? You know, I don't feel like praying. I don't have time to pray. No, if it matters, then go do it, especially when you don't feel like it. Make yourself do it. It'd be, you know, there's lots of people that go work out every day to make sure that their body's healthy. I should be doing better at that. But, but, but that, that do that. Nobody's saying, nobody's saying that here. Troy. I'm saying not, it because it's a fact, that. you know, the truth will set you free. Right. But, but if that's good for you, then, then, then make yourself take the time. So you're, you're right. If you want to be like a saint, if you want to be a saint, then say, I want to be a saint and then start to act like one. Well, the way does that happen? That first time when you don't have that, Lord, help me to do this, but I'm going to go and make my brother's bed for him. Not because he deserves it. Not because he even asked me just because, or I'm going to do the dishes just because I hate doing those things. But I'm going to do it. Well, look at a cross. That's why, that's why crucifixes should be readily visible. He asked, I don't want to do this. Take it away from me. Yep. It, but he freely did it. So start with the little things and then make yourself go and just start with one little thing. I have a friend that, that, that says that he just decided that he was going to, without being asked, was going to show love by doing the dishes every day without being asked, be the first one there to do it, and that how much it changed the way his his wife looked at him. He he said, I did nothing. I didn't point it out. I just did it. And he hates doing the dishes. You'll be amazed at what will happen if you'll just take up those little crosses that present themselves every day. Yes. Honey, uh, let me just take the kids tomorrow to, the, to school, whatever it is, right? So I, I dare you <laughs> to take the, full st- the first step to, again, embrace the faith, to think through it, and then try to live it out. And living it out is going to happen not by going out somewhere and finding, not going to Africa or whatever. For you and me that are living the mystery of parenthood, it's going to happen at home in that little cross that comes our way. You can thank Jesus. It's not the cross. It's a cross that we can handle. And with his grace, we can do it. Live it out. That's how we become who we're meant to be. And if our house culture, if our family culture changes that way, I promise you it will set the world on fire because there's plenty of people who don't live that way and they will recognize that that's how you set, that's how you set the world on fire. And so uh, I guess we'll do well, let's do the, the Romans eight twenty six, which we did about the, about the spirit who helps us in our weakness and trusting in him. And so 
as always, remember, um, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Go out there and integrate it, people. Pray for us. We're praying for you. Bye. Cross to the grave into heaven. From the cross to the grave into heaven.